0: Good morning. Hey, that one's great. Okay. Good morning. Woo! Uh, we still got folks coming in the foyer. Still, folks finding places to sit.
1: I want to start off
0: with just a real quick announcement this morning. Just a quick announcement. I just want to uh, thank this church family for all your prayers, all your cards, and all your well wishes. Uh, most of you know that I lost my brother a couple of weeks ago, so had a rough time to go through and uh, tripped over home and trying to get some things squared away and uh, I just uh, I don't know really how to share with you guys all the different cards, texts, uh, uh, just the well wishes and love that you guys put out. and I mean, I just really, really appreciate it. His rough time, rough time in our lives. Kathleen and I have been trying to help him through a pretty rough time financially, and and uh, and, uh, God had God had a plan. So this what happened is what happened, and and he's in a good place now, and uh, and uh, he's not hurting anymore. He's not worrying about the one making it from day to day because he's in the arms of Jesus. Uh, So we're going to stand together this morning. And we're going to celebrate Jesus. So you can stand to your feet. On the count of three, we're going to say, celebrate Him. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Celebrate Him. Look in your hymnal 107. Lord, I lift your name on high. 107 in your hymnal. We're going to kick it off this morning.
2: You take
1: your word today Lord may you be blessed you're always blessing us Lord please help us to be a blessing to you for we pray in Jesus name Amen. Amen. thank you you may be seated all right well before we start I think it's only fitting that we wish Alice a happy birthday yeah. 98 years old. Are you guys ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Invite you to a Wednesday evening potluck at six. Um, it says we're having an Asian food theme. That yes. should be really, really good. Uh, Bible study at six forty-five. Uh, Bill Gallagher is going to bring that. He is—he's uh, teaching about Moses, and you might want to uh, come and, and uh, listen because it's very interesting. Uh, the woman's Bible studies on February third and seventeen. And they're studying depending on Jesus. The men's Bible study is normally Tuesday morning at ten. But um, let's see. So, how many more do we have before February six? We got one more. Uh, two. Yeah. Two more. Okay, so we got two more, and then February six, you're not gonna have one. Right. Okay. Okay. Book of Romans, Pastor PK. Um, if you have any prayer requests, you can call Flo Downing. And then also, save the date, it says here. A board meeting is on February 11th. And uh, we're going to try to make that a fairly quick board meeting, so we're not going to serve lunch at that one. And then the Valentine's Day dinner is uh, February 10th. That is on a Saturday. Yes.
2: So, come on, guys. Food, fun, and fellowship. I'm getting a great response. It's $16 a person. I've done it especially on a Saturday. It'll be at 3 o'clock, so all those people that have an issue driving, uh, come on. It's going to be fabulous. We're going to have door prizes, gift fastest for $75 and more. It's going to be top quality. We're going to have rosarios cater it, so you won't be cooking, you won't be setting up, and you won't be cleaning. This is a day of Valentine's, so please see me as soon as you can, because I've committed us for 50 people,
1: and hopefully I get more. All right. So have I touched everything? I think you've touched it all. Okay. Good. I'm I touched. <laughs> oh, and see
2: Carmen or me for tickets.
1: Thank you. I want to know what Vint Masticholi is. Masticholi. That's what? <laughs> My, yeah, that's what I said. Masta CCC Ole. It's got beans and sausage
2: and red
1: sauce. Bean, sausage, and red sauce. All right, well, wonderful.
0: Let's uh, continue on. Let's do. We've got a couple of fun songs picked out this morning, next. Coming up next. And so I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet if you're able. Uh, and uh, look in your uh, hymnal number 750. Just have fun with our brothers and sisters in Christ.
2: I've got peace like a river.
0: here to celebrate Jesus put your hands together right now. Amen. We love Jesus. You can be seated. Somebody touched me. It's in your praise book number 54. Somebody touched me. In your praise book number 54.
1: kings and lord of lords is our brother and father i don't i don't know that there's any other higher place than that may we just honor you and worship you this morning and thank you so much for your great salvation lord jesus thank you for your precious life your horrific death your resurrection ascension and your intercession for each one of us to the father that our prayers might be heard for we'll give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So beautiful. You know, sometime during the service, so kids are just awesome. You know, what I mean, how important is it for us to to set our kids on the right path? One thing is for sure is that they're not going to get set on the right path in this world, are they? So, Father in heaven, we do pray that you'll bless these children that are being taught right now, to bless the teachers, the students, Lord, that you'll bless this offering. I want to thank you so much for letting us uh, be safe and secure here in this country. We just pray for our country, Lord God, and ask that you please pour out your Holy Spirit, convicting all of us of our sins and convincing us, Lord God, that the time is getting short and that we need to worship you. We ask that you bless all of the church services everywhere around the world that are speaking your word by means of your Spirit. Lord, we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 is sitting down the best part of some of our days (laughs) I was thinking about it the other day getting up and I don't know how many of you pray in the morning but I try to get up fairly early and pray and then going to bed is the favorite part of the day (laughs) everything in between is kind of just you know whatever so uh, (laughs) let's pray Father in heaven thank you so much For your word, it is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto our path. Jesus Christ is the word of God. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for making God's word clear to us. We just pray that, Lord God, you would bless us. We claim the blessings in Revelation chapter 1 that states, he that reads, he that hears, and he that does the words of this book will be blessed. We claim the blessing in John that says there is a blessing for those who have not seen and yet believe. We also claim the blessing of growth in Romans that says um, faith comes through the hearing of the word of Christ. So Lord, those three blessings we claim this morning, we just ask that Lord God, you be blessed as we study your word. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have a phone... Would you put it on silent for me, please? I'd sure appreciate it. So we are in the book of Revelation. Okay, This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, the Gospels reveal Jesus as the Savior, don't they? They reveal His humanity, etc. When we come to the book of Revelation, this book reveals um, Jesus Christ as the King, as the soon coming King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And when we think about the book of Revelation, you know, it. it, when you just read it, it's kind of hard to understand, but I will say this, that if you will just continue to study your Bible, you can understand many of the things in the book of Revelation by studying the Old Testament, okay? It's it's amazing how much uh, uh, flows over into each one. Especially the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel is to the Old Testament what the book of Revelation is to the New Testament. So if you study the book of Daniel, they go hand in hand. So we started in Revelation chapter 1. We're going to do Revelation 6 today. But John is taken to heaven either in a vision or bodily. And it's hard to know which. Um, I have a tendency to think he's, he's in such a vision that it seems like he's there bodily. Uh, if you've ever had a dream that was so real that you were, you woke up and you were like surprised to be where you were, um, I think that maybe the vision was kind of like that. In chapter 1, John sees the Lord Jesus Christ, in his glorified body. Eyes of fire, bright as the sun, chest of fine gold, feet of bronze, speaking of judgment. And Jesus tells him to write down the things, number one, that he sees, number two, that are, which is the church age, and number three, the things that will take place after that. So in Revelation chapter two and chapter three, We have the record by Jesus Christ of the seven letters to the seven churches, which contain seven elements. Some churches were scolded for not being very uh, good churches. Some churches were uh, commended. There was only two churches in the chapters 2 and 3 that were not scolded for anything. All right. And uh, there were two churches in Revelation 2 and 3 that weren't commended for anything. So uh, we don't want to be one of the churches that aren't commended for anything, all right? We want to be commended for our faithfulness in, in the Lord. So we read in chapter 4 where John gets taken into heaven. And this is a picture of the rapture. Listen. People that think that the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, is going to go through the great tribulation are wrong. They just simply do not understand dispensational teaching. The seven years of tribulation, which the last three and a half will be the great tribulation, that is the completion of the 493 years of the Jewish age. Here's what happened. You've got, excuse me, 490 years. 490 years is the Jewish age. You can learn about that from Daniel's prophecy of the 70 weeks in Daniel chapter 9. We may get into a little bit of that today, but not much. What happened is that there was an interruption. Alright? Right? 483 years sh- 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 go through. Jesus Christ comes. He does his ministry. He's put to death on the cross. And the church age begins at Pentecost. Now we have a parenthesis. Seven years of this age of the Jews, or the age of the law, have been left out. We have now roughly 2,000 years of the church age. When you think about Pentecost to now, that's roughly 2,000 years. All right. Somewhere along the line, we think probably soon, God is going to take the Bride of Christ away into heaven. When that happens, that's the harpazo, alright? Harpazo in the Latin means uh, it it has the the word rapturus, which we get our word rapture from, alright? So it's the rapture or the taking away or the stealing of. It has the connotation in the Greek of being a pickpocket. God is going to pick the bride of Christ out to meet Christ in the air and it says so shall we ever be with him. That is going to happen before the seven years of tribulation start. Why? Because the church age and the age of the Jews do not coincide together. They're not the same age. It's a different economy, a different dispensation. God has a different plan for the Jews than he has for the Christians. Now, His plan, of course, is for all of us to be saved. Alright, that's the plan. And how is that plan accomplished? It's accomplished in every dispensation through faith. Faith, the Old Testament, faith in the coming Messiah. When Jesus was here on the face of the earth, it was faith in the seen Messiah, and we have the luxury of 2020 vision looking past and seeing Jesus Christ as having come. Now, when we think about this book of Revelation, we think about chapter 4, where John says, after this, okay, after this, there was before me a door standing open in heaven. tauta in the Greek. And what he's basically saying is, after God gets finished Dealing with the church age, there's going to be a rapture and we are going to see a door open and we're going to go to heaven. It says in Thessalonians that the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive in Christ will meet them in the air forever to be with Christ. You see, at the second coming, Jesus Christ comes to the earth. He stands on the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives splits in two. and Anyway, that's a whole other story. But at the rapture, we meet Him in the air. Now, it is all a part of the second coming of Christ. It's like if we talked about World War II. World War II had how many phases? It didn't just have one phase. It had many different phases. There was a battle here, a battle there, uh, a landing here, a country here. And it all came together as the world war, just as this comes together as the second coming of Christ. The rapture is a part of the second coming of Christ. So, in chapter 5, well, let me back up for chapter 4 for just a second. John sees the throne of God. It's just amazing. The colors are amazing, the sounds are amazing, the the voice of God is like a, a thunder. There's a rainbow, an emerald rainbow around the throne, 360 degrees. There's 24 elders representing the church age or the church age believers there in front of the throne. There's the four living creatures, the cherubim, who are very, very powerful creatures. And they're upholding and guarding the throne. It's an amazing picture. If you weren't here with us for Revelation chapter 4, go back and read it or, or get the study. We have all these studies on uh, CD, or I guess it's on DVD, and for our worldwide audience, okay? Chapter 5, which we uh, studied last week, John sees another thing in heaven, another scene. And it's really a dramatic scene. God the Father is sitting on his throne. It says God is unapproachable light. God lives in unapproachable light. Light. If we, by our human bodies, our human sight, tried to describe the sun, the sun that sits in the sky, how would you describe it? Well, you would describe it as light and bright. But when you look at it through a telescope, it's it's on fire. It's amazing. And when he sees God sitting on the throne, he sees light. But he sees in the right hand of the Father in chapter five, there's a scroll, a scroll, a parchment scroll that has seven seals on it, and it's written on both sides. And no one is found worthy to open that seal, to uh, open the seals of the scroll, except Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ comes forth. He takes the uh, the scroll out of the Father's hand, and he. In chapter 6, he starts to open it. And what is this scroll? Well, in the culture that John lived in, all right, the scroll was a will and testament. It was a legal document. And we're going to see that this scroll contains God's redemption for the earth. You see, God gave the earth, gave control of the earth to Adam, didn't he? What did he say? Adam, go out, multiply, be blessed, be happy. Name the animals, name the plants. It's yours, uh, uh, manicure it for me. Take care of it for me. And what did he do? Well, he, he sinned. He sinned by disobeying God and he lost control over the earth. Satan assumed control because Adam in effect... Defected over to Satan's side. Now Adam was saved. Eventually, he believed in God, etc. But what a what a deal! You know, we think about that. I'd like to have a little talk <coughs> with Adam when I get to heaven. And you know what Adam's going to say? You'd have done the same thing. That's what he's going to say. You'd have done the same thing. And he's probably right. But now it says in the Bible that Satan is the power of the air. He is the God, little g, of this world. Satan holds the title deed of this world. How do we know that? He offered it to Jesus Christ. <coughs> Matthew chapter 4, he said, If you will bow down and worship me, I will give you the kingdoms of the world which are mine to give, he said. And of course Jesus said, No, nope, not going to do that. Gonna, the Bible says to worship the Lord God only. So he shuts Satan down there. Now we're going to see in Revelation chapter five that Jesus takes this scroll, and John is stops weeping because now he knows that as Jesus opens this scroll, heaven is going to take back the title deed to the earth. All right. And when we read in Revelation chapter six to chapter nineteen, we see the judgments that come from God taking back control over the, the earth. Remember something about the book of Revelation. It contains probably the greatest time of salvation ever in history. It also contains the greatest time of judgment ever in history. So, Jesus Christ is going to come back. He's going to bring... Salvation to his believers and judgment to those who do not believe. And you know, God will do just about anything to get us to believe, won't he? I mean, think about, we're going to study the stuff that, that he does to try to get people to believe. So look at Revelation chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Okay, Revelation 6, 1. John is speaking here. He says, I watched. So John is watching this. He is an eyewitness giving us an eyewitness account of what's going on. I watched as the Lamb, that's Jesus Christ, opened the first of the seven seals. It's very interesting because we're going to see seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven bowls. And between the sixth and seventh of each one of those, there's a pause. All right? And we're going to see that today. He says I watched as the lamb opened the first of the seven seals. So Jesus opens this first seal. Then I heard one of the four living creatures, that's the cherubim, okay, say in a voice like thunder, come. Now, this word in the Greek, okay, has the idea of of uh, actually a command to go. He's actually telling This horseman, come or go. Go and do your duty. The King James Version says, come and see. And see is not in the original language. So it should just be translated, come or go. It says, uh, then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, come. I looked and there before me was a white horse. Horses in the Bible speak of judgment, all right? Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. Now look with me if you will, keep your your finger in that page, and look at Revelation chapter 19. I believe it's chapter 19, let me make sure. Yeah, uh, Revelation chapter 19 and look at verse 11, okay? Revelation 19, 11. Here's what it says. Jesus, or John is saying, I saw something again. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse. Okay, we just read something similar to that in Revelation chapter 6. Whose rider is called Faithful and True, with justice, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns, not just one. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is in, dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. So we know who this is. This is Jesus Christ. He is the Word of God. This is in a, a very impressive picture of, of Jesus Christ coming back at the second advent riding on this white horse. He says this, verse 14, The armies of heaven were following him riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Fine linen, white and clean represents righteousness. Okay? Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. This sharp sword, of course, is the word of God. Jesus Christ does not have an actual sharp sword coming out of his face. Okay, he has the word of God, which it says in, I believe, Hebrews. It's a, it might not be Hebrews; it might. Be. It says the word of God is sharp and it's powerful. It's quick. It's a, it's like a surgeon's scalpel. It's able to divide asunder between the the. The soul and the spirit, the bones, the joints and the marrow, it's, it's, it's convicting, it's convincing, it's comforting to us. He says this, out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of lords. So this is obviously Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter 19. In Revelation chapter 6, okay, when Jesus opens the first seal, we have someone that's a counterfeit. Okay? This is the spirit of the Antichrist or the Antichrist himself who comes on the scene riding on this white horse. It says he's given a crown. Now when we think about uh, the things that this Antichrist has been given, he's been given power, he's been given the ability to do certain miracles. God gave him certain things and Satan gave him certain things. Why? Why would God do that? Well, it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that because mankind refused to believe in the word of God, God will send them a strong delusion. And that's what's going to happen. I don't know about you, but I can see the delusion uh, rolling in right now, can't you? The the deception of of gender uh, uh, problems, the deception of conservative versus liberal values, the deception of uh, churches that are abandoning the Word of God for something that isn't the Word of God. I mean, the deception is here, my friends. It's, and Jesus, that was the very first thing in Matthew chapter 24 that Jesus told us to watch out for. Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will deceive many. Matthew chapter 24 goes right along with Revelation chapter 6. The first thing we see is this Antichrist or instead of Christ. Remember the word anti in the Greek can mean either against or instead. This particular person is not only against Christ, but he's coming in instead of Christ. He's going to deceive the world to believe that he is the Messiah. And the majority of the world is going to believe it. Because of the miracles and the things that he does. He's going to come in riding on a white horse. And we know from watching all of our past westerns, right? (laughs) That all the good guys always rode in on white horses, didn't they? And the bad guys always rode in on black horses. Well, this one here is a white horse, but it does contain the counterfeit of Jesus Christ. It says that he has a bow in his hand. Now, this bow could be one of two things. It could be like a bow... That you shoot arrows with, but it doesn't mention anything about arrows here. So could he be coming in, it says, as a conqueror, but there's a couple of different ways to conquer, isn't there? You can conquer by force or you can conquer by diplomacy, right? In this case he's going to conquer by diplomacy. Now a bow, we know, was the sign of the covenant between God and Moses and the earth, wasn't it? And of course, the rainbow has been kidnapped now, and made to look or made to be something that's really quite evil. This could represent the bow, which represents a covenant, which means that this Antichrist is going to come in bringing a covenant... An evil covenant that is going to be administered by diplomacy. It's interesting because in um, it says its rider was held a bow. Uh, This bow is uh, let me see here. This bow is the word tox toxos in the Greek. It's where we get the word. Toxin, or poison. Isn't that interesting? I looked through there before me, was a white horse, its rider held a bow. Not sure exactly what the bow means, but it it probably means a covenant that's going to be brought about by diplomacy. And he was given a crown. And this crown, by the way, is a Stephanos, which is what I was named after, Stephanos. That is a crown of victory. That is the crown that was given at the Olympics, okay, when somebody would win. It is not a diadem. Jesus Christ, in Revelation chapter 19, wears a diadem. That is the crown of royalty. This person here does not wear a crown of royalty. He wears a crown of victory. It says this, And he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. Verse 3, when the Lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come, then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Now, we don't really see fiery red horses. We see chestnuts and all kinds of other different kinds of horses, but not really fiery red ones. So this is very unusual. It says, its rider, which isn't named here, was given power to take peace from the earth and to make men slay each other. To him was given a large sword. So this rider, when he comes out, this second seal is broken, this red horse. This could be the god Kemos, C-H-E-M-O-S-H, which we read about in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 7. He is the war, war god. This is a spirit. All these are spirits. John said that the spirit of the Antichrist was what? Already in the world when he wrote his uh, epistles. By the way, I don't know if you knew this or not, but the Gospel of John was the last book written in in uh, in the New Testament. Revelation was written before John. And when we read the Gospel of John... Especially if we know the the narrative here in the book of Revelation, we can see why the Gospel of John speaks so highly of the deity of Christ, which it does. The Word of God became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we beheld his glory. John chapter 17, Jesus prays to the Father, Lord, Bring me the glory that I had with you before I came to this planet. Jesus Christ had glory. Well, we go on. So this second seal is a horse with a rider that comes out. It's fiery red and it was given power to take peace from the earth and to make men slay each other. This is the spirit of war. We look at the third thing in chapter 5. Or chapter 6, verse 5. When the Lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. Now these living creatures, remember, we studied about them in Revelation chapter 4. They are around the throne. (coughs) They are cherubs or cherubim. Very, very powerful creatures. Very knowledgeable. They see everything. They They are really the ultimate in God's creation in heaven. Lucifer was a cherub, it says in Ezekiel chapter 27, and he became so enamored with his beauty that he decided that he wanted to be God, which is exactly what happened. And you can read about the five I wills of Satan or Lucifer in uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 14. When the Lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come, and I looked and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Now this isn't the scale that you get on in the morning to find out you've gained three pounds because of the donut-chated church. Okay? <laughs> this is one of those scales that has a yoke and the chains and then the, the cups and the, so, so they balance. And this is what he's holding. This black horse could be the god naboo which is a Uh, a Babylonian God. He was also the false god of the Assyrians. This is a spirit. He is the god of writing, accounting, uh, etc. And he brings economic chaos. Generally speaking, after war, there's what? Economic chaos. Look at what happened in, in Germany. You know, by the way, Adolf Hitler was a very, very good prototype of the Antichrist. He came to power, promised the German people all kinds of, of uh, future goodies, and we're going to make Germany a first-rate power, and we're going to clean up the the uh, the uh, the race. We're going to make it into an Aryan race. And what happened is because of Adolf Hitler, over fifty million people were killed in World War II. Isn't that amazing? I hope God holds him account for every one of those people too. That's just me. So it says here, this black horse comes out, Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand, then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a day's wages and three quarts of barley for a day's wages and do not damage the oil and the wine." So this is total economic collapse. We see the Great Recession of 2008 to roughly 2011-12. And that was terrible. We see the Great Depression that started roughly in 1929 and went to about 1933 or 35. But this is going to be worse than both of those put together times 10. What's going to happen is this, is that an entire day's wages is what it's going to take to buy food for one person for one day. Now that's economic collapse. That's hyperinflation. Now we've seen inflation in our country, I don't know if you knew this or not, but in countries like Venezuela, we have, well we had 9% inflation, I think it's down to around 6 now, somewhere in that neighborhood. In Venezuela they had 1,000 times in- inflation. My grandfather, who I, I never did meet, he was German. And in the war, people would bring him literally wheelbarrows full of German money to buy one dollar cube of butter. They would bring him pictures, beautiful, original paintings, and ask if he would trade it for a loaf of bread. That's what happens when we have this type of hyperinflation. So, this is bad. The Antichrist comes in as a conqueror. We see the second seal is unsealed and war breaks out. We see the black horse come and its economic depression. Verse 7, When the Lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. I looked and before me there was a pale horse. This word in the Greek is chloros. If you've ever looked in a, in a bottle of Clorox, or Clorox, I mean, it's kind of a green, greenish, sickly looking color. That's what this horse is called. It's kind of a sickly, pale-colored horse. This is the only rider that's named. Okay? It says, I looked before me, and there was a pale horse. It's rider, and it was named Death. And Hades was following close behind him. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague and by the beasts of the earth, if your version says wild beasts, the word wild is not in the original language. So this writer is named Death, Thanatos. Thanatos was a spirit that was worshipped in the ancient world. He is, uh, and possibly even all these spirits, but this spirit especially, is a spirit that would welcome you into the underworld. Okay. So this is definitely not for Christians, all right? This death would remind us of physical death and hell would remind us, or Hades would remind us of spiritual death, wouldn't it? You know, it's interesting. A Christian is born twice and dies once. A non-Christian is born once and dies twice. That's very sad, isn't it? Alright, so this fourth living creature says come, this pale horse comes out and his riders named Death and Hades and was following close behind him they were given power over a fourth of the earth so a quarter of the earth is killed by sword, famine and plague and by the beasts of the earth. So let's just look at that for just a second. Um, I mean right now, we have, we're have closing in on 8 billion people, population of the world, we're closing in on it. If this happens fairly soon, we're talking 2 billion people that are going to be killed by war, by famine, by plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. Now this is an interesting concept. Wild beasts. So the word beasts in the Greek could connoto, uh, connotate a wild animal. It could also connotate a microscopic (coughs) wild animal. In my thinking too it could also connotate something else. What does it say? In Revelation 13, I saw a beast arrive out of the sea. Okay, that's the Antichrist. I saw a beast arrive out of the land, the Jewish land. That's the false prophet. In Daniel chapter 7, it talks about the beasts. The first beast was like a um, lion, and that represented the kingdom of Babylon. The second beast was like a bear. That represented the Medes and the Persians, which overcame Babylon. This is all history, by the way. The third beast, he says, was like, was like a leopard. Okay, that's the, the 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 kingdom of Alexander the Great, Grecian kingdom. They conquered the Medes and the Persians. The fourth beast was like it, it was it was unusual. It was it was, it was very unusual than any of the other beasts. It was it was terror. And he describes it in Daniel chapter 7. So I just, as I study this, I just wonder, could the... And this is just me now, okay, so don't... Just take it for what it is. Could this connotate rogue terror nations? Okay, could it connotate that? Or would it be connotating something microscopic that's going to get us? Or would it connotate something wild beasts, you know. Um, hard to know, you know. Uh, we see mountain lions going into towns and bears and all that kind of stuff, but I, I just have a hard time thinking that there's going to be that many people killed by wild animals. I, I, it just seems to me like it should be something else, but maybe not. Now, let's go on real quick. Verse 9, When he opened the fifth seal, first seals the Antichrist, Second seal is war. Third seal is uh, economic depression. Fourth seal is death. A quarter of the world's population is dying. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. So these are martyrs. And you notice he says souls. Apparently these have not received their resurrection body yet. People always ask, well, when you die, what happens? When you die, the Bible says, you are face to face. If you're a Christian, you are face to face with the Lord, it says. Okay? If you're not a Christian, you're going to get put into a holding place, alright, Hades, until the great white throne judgment, and then you will be administered into the lake of fire along with Satan, the false prophet the beast, etc. So real good good reasons to to not stay a non-Christian, isn't it? Yeah. So, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the Word of God and the testimony they maintained. So these people were believers in the Lord and they were martyrs. They called out in a loud voice, How long, Sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. Then each of them was given a white robe. This represents God's righteousness. And they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had been was completed. This fifth seal is... is you know, it's, it's it's heartbreaking in one way because it tells us that during this period of time, during this last seven years, there will be a persecution against Jews and against Christians like there's never been uh, done before on the face of the earth. Literally, if you do not take the mark of the beast, which we're going to read about in Revelation chapter 13, if you do not... Uh, Assign yourself into his program then you are going to be enemy of the state. Now, have we seen this before? Yeah, we just saw it in 2020. Oh, you weren't vaccinated? Sorry, you can't go into that restaurant. Oh, you need a vaccination passport if you're going to get on an airplane. Now, if you don't think that the government can do something like this you better think again. Why? Well, because the government okay, any government has the power of the military as well as the power of the police force to enforce their their will. So when people who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, or even many people who are just um, they they live in the the hills of Idaho or okay, Montana, you know, they're just they're just not going to go along with the program. There is going to be such a surveillance society set up, which is really being set up right now. I don't know if you knew this or not, but China has millions of cameras. They, can, they have facial recognition, eye recognition, uh, not to mention fingerprints and the rest of that, palm prints. Next thing they'll know, they'll have some other kind of print. It, it is stated that with the rise of technology artificial intelligence, there will come a time when your thoughts will become manifest to the people who want to see them. Now, I can tell you what my thoughts are going to be toward them, but I can't tell you that in church, okay? So I won't. (laughs) But there's going to be quite the persecution. And so... God says, Jesus says to John, he says to these these people, and John witnesses it, just wait. I will bring revenge. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. But you're going to have to wait until I bring this thing together. The sixth seal is opened in verse 12. He says, I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a, a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair and the whole moon turned blood red and the stars in the sky fell to earth as late figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The sky receded like a scroll rolling up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Well, I tell you, you know, I don't know whether this is a description of a hydrogen or atomic bomb but there are things about it that that really relate. Like, have you ever, do you remember seeing uh, pictures of the mushroom cloud and the sky looked like it was rolling away? Now if you're John, you're a first century person, you don't know anything about atomic bombs, you don't know anything about airplanes, you don't know anything about any of that stuff, and you see this vision and you see the, this this sky rolling away, I mean, how do you describe that? You know? In uh, the Old Testament says that their eyes melt away in their face. That's got to describe an atomic weapon in some way. Whether this does or not, I'm not sure. But one thing's for sure is nature is in total chaos here. okay? Let's finish it up. It says verse 15, "This is amazing. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals the rich, the mighty, and every slave and every free man, in other words, everyone, hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains, they called to the mountains and the rocks, and we see the quote here, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come and who could stand, end quote. Now. You think, if you were here, there was this great earthquake, the sky is rolling up like a, a scroll, all these terrible things are happening, stars are falling from the sky, you would think that people would say, Lord, please forgive me for my sins, um, I want to go to heaven, I, I, I don't, don't want to be part of this, blah, 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 no, that's not what they say. It says they know, they know that this is the wrath of God coming down. And you know what they say? They ask the mountains to follow. Hide us. Hide us from the face of the the Lamb. Wow. This is a hard-hearted people, my friends. And you think about this. This This is where we're going now. We're already on the way to this. Turn with me real quick. We're going to finish up here with Matthew chapter 24. All I want to do is I want to read to you. And since we've gone through Revelation chapter 6, I want you to see how Revelation 6 goes right along with Matthew chapter 24. This is Jesus speaking, Matthew 24, verse 1. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, Jesus asked? I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. So this temple that was one of the ancient wonders of the world, an amazing place that Herod had remodeled, Jesus says not one stone is going to be left upon another. It's prophecy. That prophecy was fulfilled in 70 AD when Titus of the Romans came in and they just completely destroyed the temple. Verse 3, As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately tell us, they said, When will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming, I am the Christ and will deceive many. White horse. White horse. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Red horse. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against people. Uh, kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of birth pains. Black horse. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. Oh, Fifth seal. Martyrs. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. We're kind of... Seen many turning away from the faith even today. Mm-hmm. It's very, very, stand, very, very uh sad. Well, he goes on, and he says, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. He says, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. You know, it was a very, very unusual thing in the past to see a mother abandon their children Mm -hmm. let alone kill them. And that is not an uncommon thing anymore. You know when the love of a mother, I mean a, a mother's love for her children is probably one of the strongest loves that you know was ever created. We see you know parents divorcing each other, we see children divorcing their parents, we see all the things that are mentioned in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that in the last days perilous times will come. Well, listen, I have some good news. Okay? These scriptures were not necessarily good news, unless you're saved, of course, is this, is that we will not be here when these seals are opened. And I've heard people say, well, you know, we'll be up in heaven and we'll be looking down and we're going to be, you think so, really? I hope not. I don't want to be looking down and seeing all this stuff going on. I want to be partying with Jesus. That's what I want to be doing. we got seven years to party. Okay? The best food, the best Kool-Aid or whatever you want, want, I guess, you know. Uh, Prune juice, uh, I don't know, something. I had someone yesterday, or I guess it was the day before yesterday, at the gym, and I just happened to say hi to her. And and, uh, I told her, I was talking to her, I said, You know, I said, what God has planned for believers is amazing. She goes, Well, what do you think it is? I said, Well, you know what? The Bible says, Your eyes have not seen, your ears have not heard. In fact, Your imagination doesn't go so far as to imagine what God's got in store for you. Those who believe. What a blessing. Think about it. Think about this beautiful valley we live in. Holy mackerel. This is going to be a garbage dump compared to heaven. Heaven's going to be amazing. And so is the world during that thousand year uh, kingdom of Christ when he comes to reign in the millennium. So... Be happy, my friends. And you know what? If this isn't a little bit of motivation for us to tell our neighbors, our children, our family, our parents, anyone who will listen about the plan of God, then uh, I don't know what is. So pray with (coughs) me, would you? Dear Father in heaven, please forgive me for my sins. Please Please (coughs) please cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Give me a hunger for Your Word, and help me to obey it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. You've been very, very patient. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank Thank you you very much.
0: When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing! our feet. If you need the words, it's 772, but you probably won't need the words. It goes like this. When we all get to heaven,
2: what a day.
1: fold it in half, put it in your Bible. We'll probably use it somewhere along the way. It's an interesting, uh, kind of an interesting description of what we're going to be studying in the future. So come Wednesday night, have dinner with us and Bible study at 645. And God bless each and every one of you. And me too.